Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Monday, June 28th, the first day of the 2021 Wimbledon officially in the books. While the day did produce some rainfall, it also produced some exceptional tennis for all of us fans to enjoy. Of course, many of you longtime Crack Rackets listeners will know my fondness for Andy Murray. Well, most important takeaway from day one, Murray Mound is back in London and Andy Murray knocking off number 24 seed Nicholas Basilevsky in four sets. Of course, he was up two sets to love and five love in the third before Basilevsky was able to rattle off seven games. A dramatic finish that Murray was ultimately able to close out in four sets is certainly going to be one of the subjects of today's podcast. I also want to talk about the two biggest upsets we saw unfold on the day. Number three seeded Stefano Tsitsipas, your 2021 French Open finalist knocked off in round one in straight sets by Francis Tiafo. Now, of course, by the metrics, by the eye test, that is certainly an upset, but I do want to talk about the recent success Francis Tiafo has had. I also want to talk in general about his success in at the biggest stages, in particular at Grand Slam events, because if you followed his career closely, while this result certainly surprising, not the sort of shocking upset many may make it out to be, of course, something we did not see coming. Petra Kvitova knocked off in round one. Many in the tennis intelligentsia, myself included, saw her making a quarterfinal, semifinal run, maybe if things even broke right, ending up in the winner's circle. Instead, she is knocked off on day one by a very much in form Sloane Stevens. And again, talking about a player who has turned the corner. Sloane Stevens is back, folks. She is starting to play that sort of exceptional tennis that got her into the top 10 of the rankings 
back in 2018 got her up to that peak ranking of number three. So, of course, I want to talk about her performance today and what Kvitova's exit from the draw means for the rest of the players still alive in it. Talk about the other upsets, the matches that went the distance, the results that have yet to be finished. Preview day two. Do all the things we do here on our daily podcast throughout these 2021 Grand Slams. Of course, the reason we are able to go daily, day in, day out throughout these Grand Slams and throughout this 2021 season on the Mini Break Podcast is because of the support we continue to get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family. Worth noting, if you want some bonus 2021 Wimbledon coverage, we have a Match of the Day segment exclusively for our Patreon subscribers, 15 minutes to 20 minutes a day. Sometimes, let's be honest, it gets to 25. But of me talking about the match, I'm going to be watching most closely. Those come out in the evenings as well. Gives you some time to listen to it, perhaps that night or in the morning prior to the match beginning. So if you are interested in supporting our efforts here at Cracked Rackets, go to the website, crackrackets.com. Look up our, for our Patreon page. You can sign up to become a mem- member there. And as always, a huge shout out to all of those Patreon subscribers out there who listen to these podcasts as well. Of course, if you want to hear my predictions each day, head on over to the Great Shot Podcast feed, GSP Aces of the Day, every day throughout this 2021 French Open was an interesting start. Again, the rain most affected, I suppose, our ace of the day selections. We went 1-0-5. Now, three of those were futures picks, so they're not going to, I suppose, metastasize, materialize, materialize. Let's go with that word uh, until later on in the tournament anyways, but we won our one over bet. Golubic, Kudermatova going three sets. I'll mention that match in today's podcast. We have two parlays in a winning position now, I have a Harris-Evans parlay. Harris up two sets to love. Evans match pushed back to Tuesday. If I was smart, I would hedge that bet. Now, I discussed that in today's GSP Ace of the Day, so if that's something that interests you, go check that out. We also have Fonini up two sets to love. A Bolter win in the queue. Just need Shapovalov to earn a victory tomorrow as he takes on Philip Kohlschreiber. Again, if that's the sort of action you are intrigued by, Great Shot Podcast Feed, Ace of the Day podcast every night. Of course, all of you are looking for me to recap day two, uh, day one of this Wimbledon. And before I can do that, the final person I have to give a shout out to, final group of people I should say, are our friends over at Tennis Point. Now, you guys know the deal. Best equipment best prices, tennis-point.com. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order. Free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Tennis-point, that's the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. A huge shout-out to them for their continued support. We are very excited, hoping to perhaps do a live show during the Western and Southern Open in the big Tennis Point If that's something you're interested in, be on the lookout for more on that later. The idea of doing a live show has always appealed to us here at Cracked Rackets that we no longer have a pandemic. Well, we still have a pandemic, but that things are starting to open up and we might be able to do that, something we're very much looking forward to. And again, we always look forward to hanging out with our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15, as you all can tell. Me, Ryden Han Solo here on day one. Have fun guests already lined up for tomorrow and Wednesday. So be on the lookout for those mini breaks. And again, mini breaks every day throughout these two week for uh, throughout this fortnight over in London. But with that in mind, let's talk Andy Murray. Ah, oh, 
those are four words, I suppose, four and a three and a compound word that I have not been able to say in far too long, and I'm only far too excited to say now. Look, is this the most significant match to the remainder of this 2021 Wimbledon? No. There's no denying if you are an Andy Murray diehard like I am. And let me be clear. What was I doing in the week leading up to this Wimbledon event? Because, again, small sample size of grass court events, no 2020 grass court season. I was trying to catch up, uh, go watch previous Wimbledon, go watch previous warm-up events, just trying to broaden my knowledge of what these players look like on grass courts. Of course, ultimately, it ended up with me devol- uh, devolving into an Andy Murray YouTube deep dive. I watched 2012 U.S. Open, 2012 Australian Open semifinal, which is sneakily the most physical match in men's tennis history between and Djokovic. I ended up watching the 22 Wimbledon final only to immediately transition to highlights of the 2012 Olympic final that Andy Murray ends up capturing at Wimbledon. I ended up watching the 2016 Olympics. Del Potro's level at the 2016 Olympics is out of this world. Like, again, I know we're on an opening tangent here, but if you are looking to deep dive and you're like, who should I watch today? 2016 Olympics, watch Delpo Djokovic, the level in that match. It's one of the few times I've seen Djokovic beaten when he plays close to his best tennis. Watch uh, Del Potro Nadal in the semifinals, Murray Del Potro in the finals. Fantastic tennis. Anyways, watching all of that Andy Murray footage, when you watched him back in the day, I have to say, him, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic, those are the three people who reached a plane of physicality that, quite frankly, no one else in men's tennis history has ever reached. Their ability to track down balls in the outer third and generate depth and pace and precision from those positions in the court and just their ability to track down that extra ball, their ability to change directions— Second to none in men's tennis history. It's why the prime of Andy Murray belongs in the discussion. There was the big four era. Ultimately, Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal, yes, they go on to accomplish more things. And you could argue 2017 to 2021 is either the big three era or the Novak Djokovic era. But prior to that, it was a big four. And you know, again, the fluidity of Murray, his ability to generate backhands deep in that corner, his ability to generate pace when he goes forehand cross court set on those balls, that was vintage Andy Murray. And, you know, the big thing for Andy Murray, and this, uh, the, all of this is to say, that's not the Andy Murray we got today against Nicholas Basilishvili. Now, there were a lot of qualities of Andy Murray Prime that we saw from this Andy Murray. Obviously, the tenacity, the never-say-die attitude, but most importantly, the tactics. Andy Murray put together a brilliant tactical match against Nicholas Basilishvili, and Look, we, again, Nicholas Basilashvili and the conversation McEnroe, and I apologize, I don't know who he was with in the commentating booth, had about Nicholas Basilashvili, the assault allegations that he is currently facing in his home country from his ex-wife. It's something we have talked about on this podcast here before. Uh, it was cringeworthy. There's no denying that. It's good on them for addressing it. There was no rehearsal, clearly. And sometimes something like that you should probably rehearse beforehand anyways, uh, the point being, Nicolas Basilashvili, he is being allowed to play, and he's played some pretty good tennis here in this 2021 season. He, you know, ended up, was down a match point to Roger Federer 
I believe in Doha early in the season ends up or in yeah in the Doha event uh, ends up winning that match winning the title there you look for him he's back up into the top 30 in the world you look at what he's accomplished here again in this 2021 season Uh, he has had success across the board you look for Basilashvili now in his last 52 weeks 21 and 26 but you look for him in 2021 specifically he's 21 and 17 I mentioned the title in Doha he also won a title on clay in Munich. He made semifinals of Halle in the 500 event, beating Hanifman, Simone, Rinderneck, and Harris before getting knocked off in three by Rublev. He's found, he's refound his rhythm here in 2021. And what is that rhythm? It's pounding the ball. If you leave a ball waist height, shoulder height, top spin, rally ball, Basilashvili is hitting at Mach 5, and he's likely taking control of the point, if not hitting that ball for a winner. His ability to generate pace, second to none. He can rip the ball from anywhere at any time if he's able to set his feet. But what did Andy Murray not allow him to do in this match? Set his feet. Murray threw garbage at Basilashvili throughout this match. Let me repeat that. Absolute garbage. We're talking, this was a Boyd's 12's tactics. It was slice. It was, you know, chips out of the corner, just try and get depth. Nothing, no rhythm for Basilashvili. A heavy dose of drop shots from Andy Murray throughout the match. Now, it helps when you're six foot four and can hit 120 mile per hour serves and put them on a dime out wide on the deuce side and down the tee on the ad side and out wide on the ad side. He was hitting all of the spots with his serves, particularly in those first two and a half sets. You look for Andy Murray, 68% first serve percentage in set number one, wins 84% of those points, uh, doesn't face a break point in the set, you know, wins 21 of the 30, uh, 28 points, excuse me, 21 of the 28 he plays on serve, so that's the 75% win percentage, gets the one break in his one chance, that's efficient tennis from Murray, set two, first serve percentage dips a little bit, and again, that's where his fitness, you could see his legs start to leave him a little bit throughout the course of this match, but he still made... 61% of his first serves, won 74, uh, 75% of his first serve points, 54% of his second serve points, 22 of 33, so 66% win percentage, 67, I suppose, on service points in the set was, you know, two of two on his break point chances, uh, excuse me, was one of two on his break point chances, fought off the two break points he faced, nine winners against nine unforced errors. He did enough throughout the course of this match. Well-placed first serves, went big when the moment opportunity, uh, the plus one opportunities presented themselves and only in those moments. But otherwise, again, backhand slices out of the corner, forehand slices out of the corner, those squash shots as they call them on the commentary, but you know, we're advanced enough. We can call them forehand slices out of the corner. It was a game plan that was going to make Jamie McDonald proud. It was incredible to see. And of course, you know, some on tennis Twitter, I saw some dialect, you know, Owen in particular, whom I'm a fan of, but he was saying, I want to see Murray hit that backhand more out of the corner. The truth is Murray can't hit it out of the corner anymore. That's become very clear. That's why, you know, again, the Murray diehards will know that, know that a vintage Andy Murray. There's, I wanted to tweet it out, but I didn't know if there was a place for it on Twitter. But if I had a time machine, yeah, you go to 1930 and you say, no Hitler, Germany. You go to all of these things and you do the serious stuff first. But then once I got to my first recreational history, uh, you know, moment, I would go back in time and I would take 2012 Andy Murray and I'd say, hey, dude, you got to see this film of you playing this 2020 match against Nicholas Bachelosvili. It is going to blow your mind. And it would blow his mind. He'd be like, am I really f-ing slicing out of the corners? Am I really playing that style of tennis uh, right now? And it's actually working, 
And the answer to the question was yes. He threw garbage at Vasilishvili, who didn't have the patience over the course of the three and a half hours on course to suffer through the 20 ball rallies. Because as a credit to Murray, because he threw nothing at Vasilishvili, Vasilishvili didn't have much to work with. And there were times when Murray would try to swing through his backhand or try and exchange forehands cross court with Vasilishvili. And in those moments, Vasilishvili would win the rallies. He'd hit the big forehand down the line. He'd open up the court with a cross court backhand that Murray ended up slicing that stayed way too short and then it's an easy approach shot put away for Basilishvili and you look for him in this match 19 of 32 at the net uh 65% win percentage on his first serve uh 5 of 10 on break point chances but 32 winners against 59 unforced errors the patience wasn't there Murray was able to draw the mistakes Basilishvili would pull the trigger too soon or shank a ball because it was mistimed because again he didn't move his feet quite well enough to respond to the Murray slice and just Murray survived in this match there's no other way of saying it he put together a plan tactically where there was no rhythm for Basilishvili and then you know again he was up five love triple break in the third set, and he saw that lead evaporate. You knew it. I'm sorry, but you just felt like if Vasilish really got one game, one break of serve in that third set, that maybe he would start to believe. And, you know, Murray has the match points. I think it was 5-1 on the Vasilish Vili service game in that third set, and Vasilish Vili is able to hold... And you just started to get concerned because Basilishvili started hitting that first ball as a return deep down the center and then just slowly working Murray over, not hitting the inside-in ball or the -the down-the-line ball until he had the entire f***ing half of the court to work with. And, you know, to his credit, it ended up working. And the shock in McEnroe's voice, he said this match is done, it wasn't done, it was incredible. But then... You know, again, they closed the roof because it was late at night because we had rain during the day. And there was 15 minutes there for Murray to reset. He ends up getting the early break in that fourth set after seeing his first serve percentage drop to 47% in set number three. It's back up to 61% in that fourth set. He wins 71% of his first serve points, Uh, you know, gets uh, the three breaks he needs in the set to earn it. Five winners against four errors versus Bachelet's 10 winners against 20 unforced errors. I mean, you look for Andy Murray. Yes, was he running more per point than his opponent? Absolutely. And on the center courts, they, the center courts, they have distance covered per point. And Murray's number is about a foot, point, 1.6 feet more per point than Bachelet's is. That makes sense. He was on a rope. And you do worry a more disciplined opponent. Obviously, a Djokovic, a Medvedev, a Zverev. They put, you know, they punish Andy Murray and Andre Rublev. Even well, that would be an interesting one just to see how Rublev handles the slice. But that would be a tough matchup for Andy Murray. But to see him be able to handle the pace of Basilevsky even somewhat just put so much pressure on Basilevsky again. His ability to make returns uh, in the court, in particular, you know, throughout the match. I think Basilevsky wins thirty six percent of his second serve points. His ability to take that second serve return early inside the baseline, down the line, cross court, just take time away from you sneaky good hands following it forward obviously he displayed his feel with his slices today it was fantastic to see Andy Murray in action and again do I think Andy Murray's winning this tournament absolutely not and you look you know on tennis abstracts uh forecast for him now in in terms of how they he projects moving forward here in the draw obviously he knocks out the seed in his section in Basilishvili 
He's actually got a 0.7% chance, according to the forecast, of winning this event. Of course, now he'll face the winner of qualifiers Oscar Ota and Arthur Rinderneck, who are currently locked up at 9-all in the fifth set. Certainly, you like Murray's chances, perhaps, to advance to a third round. And then it's a winner of the Shapovalov, Kohlschreiber, Herbert, and Duhar Quartet. Certainly, Shapovalov's got the sort of firepower, athleticism you worry about Murray dealing with over the course of five sets, but... Second week for Andy Murray. Is it in play? I still say no. I do think a big server, uh, in particular someone who can hit a big plus one ball and then replicate that on a second shot, who can play pattern tennis and, you know, again, has a bit more patience than a Nicolas Basilashvili. I think that's the sort of opponent that knocks out Andy Murray. But to see him handle that pace and handle it relatively well, passes the test with flying colors. Murray Mound was roaring. The crowd was engaged on every point. It was fantastic to see Andy Murray play in Wimbledon. And of course, if you followed him over the years, and sorry to use the cliche that's been thrown around, but it's not an Andy Murray match until a lead is blown and there's some drama. It's fantastic. Fantastic to have Sir Andy back in our lives. He earns a four-set victory again over Nicolas Basilashvili to advance to the Wimbledon second round. That was the match of matches, right? That's the one all of us were locked in on uh, throughout the day, in particular here in the United States. That was your primetime match or your 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. match that certainly it's easiest for someone like me to be watching. But the match... That certainly you talk about in terms of the most impact in the draw moving forward has to be the match uh, between Francis Tiafo and Stefano Tsitsipas, at least on the men's side. You look for Stefano Tsitsipas, number three seed entering this event. He was the finalist at the French Open, had made the semifinals or greater at the last three Grand Slam events. He's knocked out. In round number one by Francis Tiafo, 6-4-6-4-6-3. Now, it would be very easy to turn this into a Tsitsipas bashing, bashing sec- uh, session because he went 0-7 on breakpoint chances. He made 69% of his first serves, won 76% of his first serve points, and lost the match. He was unable to break Tiafo over the course, not once, in three sets. And, you know, again, he didn't play a warm-up event in the lead-up to this Wimbledon, but guess what? He's 22 freaking years old. Like, and Tiafo played tactically a very smart match. Tsitsipas wasn't comfortable on the surface, but the credit goes to Francis Tiafo for recognizing that fact and turning this match and flipping the dynamic on its head. And what I mean by that is to say Francis Tiafo was on his front foot for the majority of this match. He had Tsitsipas six to eight feet behind the baseline, which is never where Tsitsipas wants to be, but in particular doesn't want to be there on a grass court. And Tiafo came up with big serves whenever Tsitsipas created a breakpoint chance. Again, you look for Francis Tiafo in this match. He made 65% of his first serves, won 69% of his first serve points. That's pretty good. The big number... 24 of 36 on second serve points. And again, that's where Tsitsipas' backhand definitely let him down on this surface. A lot of mishit balls, a lot of slippage. He just did not look comfortable. There's no denying that throughout the course of this match. But credit to Tiafo for mixing up his locations, for going after his second serve a little bit more, for hitting it into the body as much as he did 
the backhand, and then for following it up with aggressive plus one tennis. You look for Tiafo in this match, 43 winners against 22 unforced errors, 24 of 40 at the net to Tsitsipas is 17 of 29. He's four of eight on breakpoint chances. And then again, you look at the distance feet covered per, four, per point. Tsitsipas, 21.5 meters per point. Uh, Tiafo 20.6. He had Tsitsipas more often than not as the one moving around in the outer thirds, as the one being forced to hit a passing shot, to make some magic occur. And again, you know, Tsitsipas had a bunch of breakpoint chances in that third set, but Tiafo routinely came up with big first serves. And you look for Francis Tiafo now, it's a pattern for him. 32-21 and 21 in his last 52 weeks. Let's be clear, Tiafo's been a, a part of our lives, you know, since the foundation of this Cracked Rackets podcast, and if you've been a listener that long, uh, certainly the young American, former Kalamazoo champion, youngest Orange Bowl champion in history, he's had expectations on him, uh, certainly if you're an American tennis fan, since probably 2010, 2012, if you're, you know, a Kalamazoo, uh, tennis Kalamazoo, a Colette Lewis fan like I am, but you know, it seems like he's finally found his rhythm on tour. After reaching number 29 in 2019, he's now 32-21 and 21 in his last 52 weeks, back up to number 57 in the rankings. He's higher than that if you look at ELO rankings, but you look for him now 17-13 and 13 on grass courts, 21-23 and 23 in grand slams. However, you look at the matches in terms of the last eight, I believe one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine losses he's had. Uh, five of those nine have gone five sets. Francis Tiafo plays close matches at Grand Slams. He finds ways. He finds patterns. He finds rhythms. You look for him in those uh, Grand Slam matches. He stays constant across the board. First serve percentage, first serve win percentage, second serve win percentage, hold percentage. They're all similar to the numbers he's putting up right now, which, again, are the best numbers of his career. You look for Francis Tiafo. He's winning 53.1% of his second serve points. That's higher than the 51.8% he's averaged for his career. Return points one. He's at 36.5 this season. That's a career high and higher than the 35.1 he averages for his career. Again, if you aggregate these last 52 weeks, it's just career highs across the board. And again, for Francis Tiafo, just these results at the Grand Slams. Since really the 2018 season, you look for him that year, third round Wimbledon, second round U.S. Open. 2019, he makes quarterfinals Australian Open, loses first round of Roland Garros to uh, Krajinovic in five sets, loses first round of Wimbledon to Fonini in five sets. Uh, U.S. Open that year, loses five sets in the second round to Alex Zverev. Of course, you go back to last year's Australian Open. It was a four-set loss for him to Medvedev. He then makes fourth round U.S. Open before losing in straights to Medvedev, loses five sets to Struff, 2020 Roland Garros. This year, four-set loss to Djokovic, Australian Open, five-set loss to Stevie J, first-round French Open. He plays him tight in the biggest stages, in the biggest moments. Francis Tiafo has always been a primetime player, and you look for him in his career across levels, again, against top 10 opponents. Yes, he's 4-21, and 21, but you know, again, a lot of close matches, a lot of three setters, a lot of him stealing a set, having opportunities. You look for him against top 20 players, 9 and 35, but again, that means he's, what, 5 and, uh, what was that number, 5 and uh, 14 against players in ranked 10 to 20. 
he just gives himself chances to win. That number was not appealing. I probably shouldn't have left it in, but leave it in West off. The point being, Francis Tiafo is a primetime performer. He mentioned it as much in his post-match press conference saying, yeah, look, if this was a match on an outer court, you may not have seen this Francis Tiafo performance, but he was locked in from the start, put a ton of returns in play. That backhand is so condensed. He's able to hit it down the line, cross court, slice, his creativity moving forward, his ability to incorporate job shots, the hubris he plays with. And then honestly, Honestly, the forehand return has gotten better. Still not the prettiest. If he has time to set on the ball, he's going to swing through it and create, uh, you know, opportunities for himself to attack. But I even thought the forehand return, less chips than I'm used to seeing. He's gotten that backswing a little bit shorter, a little bit quicker. This was a really good performance from Francis Tiafo. He earned this victory as much as it was not Tsitsipas' best day at the office, but Tiafo didn't let up, and he fought off the break points in the biggest moment, ends the match with a break of serve as well. Again, 6-4, 6-4, 6-3, Francis Tiafo advancing to the second round, and obviously this opens up that section of the draw because that's your number three seed. You look there, he's got Pospisil next, would potentially play the winner of Hachinov or probably Jerosimov, who's up two sets to one on Jay Clark. I feel like a Tiafo-Hatchnov matchup is a five-setter we're all destined for in round number three, but look, Pospisil, big serve, big weapons, going to move forward, put some pressure on Francis. That match promises to be a fun second rounder. Certainly that section of the draw look gets interesting though. Tsitsipas knocked out, Opelka knocked out of that section as well. Guys like Demonauer, Korda, Hachinov, Tiafo, Dan Evans has to be licking their chops because you feel like now, again, that Tsitsipas quarter very, very much open courtesy of a Francis Tiafo 6-4-6-4-6-3 victory over the number three seed. That's match breakdown number two. Again, breakdowns first, then we're going to rapid fire through the rest of the results, uh, results quickly preview day two because a lot of you will be listening to this after day two has begun. But we have to talk about the biggest upset on the women's side. Petra Kvitova, former Wimbledon champion, a player who I would argue has been sneaky good this season. You look for Petra Kvitova, the big result coming for her in the Middle East, obviously, as she was able to win that title in Doha back in March. But I thought she was solid during the clay court season. Been solid since the tours resumed. 27 and 13 overall. The big title in Doha. She makes, you know, loses uh, second round, or withdraws second round French Open, but that was due to injury. But then, you know, in Bad Hamburg, beats Ann Lee, beats Podoroska uh, before losing 7 6 in the third in a fantastic match to Angelique Kerber. You felt like she was healthy and had regained her rhythm, but. You know, credit to Sloan Stevens, who knocks off the number 10 seeded Kvitova 6-3-6-4 to advance to the second round. Sloan Stevens has been playing excellent of late. And I know 16 and 17 in her last 52, that is not the most appealing number. But since losing her first three matches of the 2021 season, she's now 13 and 8 here during this year. You look for her more specifically, most recent results, quarterfinals in Charleston. She beat Madison Keys. She beat Tomjanovic before being knocked out by Kudermatova. She then goes to Madrid, beats two-time Charleston finalist Danka Kavinic before losing in three to own Jabour. She loses in Rome qualifying to Tamara Zadanzik, who we all know ends up making the semifinals of the French Open, then loses three sets to Maddie Keys. Semifinals of Parma, 
beat Kasekina, beat Irani before losing to Chung Wang. Then round of 16 Roland Garros, great wins over Pliskova and Mukova before getting knocked off by eventual champion in convincing fashion. Was not a great performance for Stevens against Barbara Krachikova, 6-2, 6-love, but... You look for Sloane Stevens, what's improved so much of late? Her first serve percentage. She's been averaging a 72.6 first serve make percentage, which I know first serve in is not the tell-all, but to make that first serve, she's able to start the points at a minimum of neutral and, again, just give herself more attacking opportunities than she was late 2019, early 2020, and you know, she's fit as a fiddle right now. Her movement in and out of those corners, her ability to rip that forehand cross court, create angle, create depth, just get you on your back foot as her opponent. It felt like she was routinely able to come up with the goods against Petra Kvitova in this match. Did such a good job of getting uh, Kvitova stretched in the outer thirds, not letting her dictate from the center of the court, changing her directions, going down the line, going short angle. You look throughout the course of this match for Sloane Stevens. She's able to uh, hit, you know, only 12 winners against, though, only 14 unforced errors. Meanwhile, for Kvitova, eight winners only against 20 unforced errors. That number feels a little bit low, but, you know, the big number here separating the two of them, Sloane Stevens, three of five on breakpoint chances. Petra Kvitova, one of five in particular. Felt like this match had the opportunity to flip midway through the second set. Petra Kvitova up 3-1, love 40 in the Sloane Stevens service game. Stevens is able to dig out of that game. And there were two second serve opportunities. Kvitova just missed returns in the net. And it was that sort of day for her. A lot of shanked returns, a lot of net tape misses. Everything was just a little bit off. And again, credit to Sloane Stevens, who makes 59% of her first serve points, wins 78% of them, wins 52% of her second serve points. Again, only made 14 unforced errors. When you're playing someone with the power game of Petra Kvitova, normally you'd think, okay, I got to go be a little bit more aggressive, go for my chances. But no, she recognized the errors that were being made by Kvitova. Again, she kept the ball moving uh she kept moving the ball to the outer thirds of the court was able to come up with some fantastic on the run tennis and just was able to outlast Kvitova here and again it's a disappointing result for Kvitova because you feel like with the openness of the draw with her level of play with the lack of you know grand slam experience so many of these players on the women's side had that she had a very open draw and the opportunity to have some success but you look for Sloane Stevens who as I mentioned here in 2021 now has had much more success 13 and 11 overall but again she is 13 and 7 since losing her first four matches of the year you look for her now career on grass court she's 22 and 15 and I mean she has been to a third uh, a quarterfinal excuse me of Wimbledon before back in 2013 and you know she's one of the I think 16 players in the draw who can say that and she is has played over you know 30 matches on a grass court now there are not many players in this draw that can say that and you look for Sloane Stevens you know success across all surfaces have been has been a hallmark of her career but I just think she's clearly regained her form. Fourth round at the 2021 French Open. You know, again, the, now it gets the big win over Kvitova. And you look at her section of the draw now with Kvitova being the number 10 seed, being the player so many of us favored to make the deep run. Things are wide open 
in her section of the draw. Now you look for Sloane Stevens. She's got Christian next who advanced, I think, either 8-6 or 9-7 and a third over Heather Watts. And then potentially a Samsonova, a Kanepi, a Pagula, or a Garcia in round three. None of those players have had deep success at Wimbledon the way Sloane Stevens has. Is she the favorite now to make a second week? It's certainly in the cards. We just saw her do it at the French Open. She's going to be solidified now inside the top 50 the rest of the year. And honestly, that's where she belonged when she's playing her best tennis. And it's so nice to say that she actually is. Now, in terms of Petra Kvitova, again, I think it's a one-off result. She's been really, really good here in this 2021 season. And since the tour resumed 27 and 13, we just saw her make a semifinal at Roland Garros back at the end of the 2020 season. I think her window to win slams is still open. Now, certainly there are many young players on her tail, but this performance it just it was an off day for Petra Kvitova, and certainly when the older you get, the less margin of error you have in a per-match basis. The off days get a little bit worse. I'm not saying this was a product of her age at all. I'm just saying it was an off day for Petra Kvitova, and that happens. Sloane Stevens made the most of it. She advances uh, with a straight-set victory. Now, again, the draw open for her. She is certainly starting to play some of her best tennis here in this 2021 season. Uh, with that in mind, those are our match breakdowns. And look, speaking of breakdowns, no one wants to hear me break down the skate, the state of my manscaping, what I do, what my routine is. None of you want to hear that. But I do want to tell you all right now about the support we get from our friends at Manscaped because, sincerely, uh, we are un- we would be unable to do these podcasts without the support we get from so many of our sponsors, from so many of you listeners. And we like to let you listeners know about what our sponsors are up to because we wouldn't partner with them if we didn't thoroughly believe in their products. And look, some of you who know me, I'll leave it at this. I'm a very hairy individual. If Manscaped works for me, it can certainly work for all of you. And I'm not going to run you through the Ultra Smooth Package. But if you can get something and purchase it, and it's called the Ultra Smooth Package, probably a good investment. If you can get something called the Lawnmower 4.0, that's right, folks, a fourth generation trimmer, probably something you should invest in. And you can become one of the over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their men's below-the-waist grooming needs right now. And you can use our exclusive offer as well to save yourself a little money in the process. You can get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our friends at Manscaped by going to manscaped.com and using our promo code NEWBALLSPLEASE. Again, manscaped.com, the promo code NEWBALLSPLEASE, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code new balls please make grooming time your favorite time in the bathroom manscape.com the promo code is new balls please all right with that in mind and again i'm working on those segues i hope they're getting better if they're not at great shot pod you know where to find me if they are at great shot pod you know where to find me i'm open to suggestions as well but i want to talk about the rest of the results we saw unfold on day one we'll start with the upsets was a relatively calm day on the women's side. Certainly the Kvitova one does have big picture impact on this 2021 Wimbledon. So you can't call it a completely calm day, but outside of that upset, the only other seed knocked out on the day was number 29 seed Veronica Kudermatova. And, you know, again, it was an upset. Certainly Kudermatova has been excellent this season. We've talked about her success. She's been as high as a top 20 ELO player in 2021 uh, ELO ratings via tennis abstracts, who you beat, not when and where. Uh, But 
you know, we've talked a lot about Victoria Golubic lately as well, and there was a reason I mentioned uh, this match as over two and a half sets in my ace of the day. You look for Victoria Golubic now over her last 52 weeks. Uh, she's been really, really good, 44 and 18, and yes, some of that has come at the ITF level, but success breeds success. She's had grass court experience in the past as well. Now, it's worth noting, Kudermatova served for this match, I think 6-5 and maybe even 9-8 as well in the third set, or certainly had her opportunity opportunities to close out this match. I don't know if she served for it, but had the chance, had break points or match points in this one. Uh, but look, Victoria Golubic can club the ball. That one-handed backhand of hers, absolutely beautiful. When she hits with it cleanly, uh, hits through it cleanly, she can hit for a winner anywhere on the court. And, you know, again, this match got very tentative towards the back half. It's a 3-6-6-1, 11-9 in the third victory for Golubic over Kudermatova. A reminder, it's win by two in the deciding sets here at Wimbledon until you get to 12-all. Then it's a tiebreaker. Um, I just... Golubic had more pop in the end, a little more huevo. She was willing to go big, willing to make those errors. Again, Kudermatova had a million chances, but this was just a really fun match. You look for Victoria Golubic now. I mentioned that record for her. I do think she is someone who can make another push inside the top 50. She's got those sorts of weapons. Good win for her now. And again, I don't want to say the draw is completely open because Kudermatova number 29 seed, but you know, Golubic, Collins, round two, that's power tennis at its fine. That should be a very fun one. Those were your only upsets on the day on the women's side. Kvitova, Kudermatova, of course, on the men's side, joining Tsitsipas and Basilishvili uh, in, in the exit ramp are going to be number 19 seed Yannick Sinner. Played a good match, 5-7, 6-3, 7-5, 6-3. He ends up falling to Marton Fucevic. Of course, Fucevic has made third rounder further, I believe, at three of the last five grand slams. And, you know, again, physically... He's right now a man, while Yannick Sinner is still a boy. The serve, his well-rounded game, ability to move forward, ability to take returns early, ability to absorb and redirect that pace Sinner uh, hits with. He's one of the few guys with the size to do that, and perhaps the heavier the ball Sinner hits, the more likely it is to be in his strike zone. Certainly, he took his down-the-line opportunities, but Sinner had chances in set number three. Honestly, in set number four, he had a bunch of break points, particularly in that final game. I think a love 30 lead that Fucevic was able to hold in. 5-3 in the fourth set, but look, again, less than 10 matches on a grass court. That's how many Yannick Sinner has played in his professional career. We just need to see more still. I am not concerned about this loss moving forward. Fucevic, always a tough out in the three out of five set format. He outplays Sinner today. Big picture, you look at that section of the draw, Fucevic, Sinner, pretty synonymous. Both of them were going to be capable of doing damage. Now, of course, it will be Fucevic who has the opportunity to do so. Ditto with Riley Opelka. You thought he might do damage, but Dom Kofer's always been a tough matchup for him. And look, Opelka had, I think, six breakpoint chances in set number two. Uh, end up not able to convert on any of them. Then, you know, played a tentative first four points. Kofer's able to get a couple of mini breaks in them, take a four-love lead in that second set breaker. Once Kofer took that second set, you could just feel the match slipping away from Opelka, who I'll continue to say it. 2026 men's singles Wimbledon champion. I still believe, but he's got some work to do to get there. Now, again, Dom Kofer, much like Cam Norrie, two former ITA number one college players in the world who are in their primes playing the best tennis of their career. Both lefties, both so solid physically, you know, both well-rounded games can hit down line, cross court out of both corners. Tough outs right now. Not going to overwhelm you with their pace, their size, but can do a little bit of everything. 
Kofor played slice tennis much like Murray when he had to, but ultimately in the end, Dom Kofor, 6-4-7-6-6-2 victory to knock off 27th seed Riley Opelka. And then our only match on the day that goes five sets, also in upset in perhaps the most enjoyable from an aesthetic standpoint and level of play match of the day. Dennis Kudla, 5-7-4-6-7-6-6-3-6-3 victory over number 30 seed Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Now, Davidovich Fokina is a former junior Wimbledon champ, so while Kudla has the experience advantage on grass courts, Davidovich Fokina has experienced success on a grass court before, and look, had the athleticism, the well-rounded game to handle everything Kudla threw at him those first two sets. Respectfully, Davidovich Fokina was just a little bit better at everything than Kudla was through the first two sets of this match. I mean, the serve, a little bit more pop. The down the lines, a little bit more pop. Movement, a little bit more fluid. Confidence at the net, a little bit greater. Hubris, certainly greater. The amount of times Alejandro Davidovich Fokina hits the dirt, or I suppose hits the grass on these courts, the diving he does, the injury timeouts, they're a staple of a Davidovich Fokina match. They're what make him so enjoyable to watch, but it was the poise and the steadiness, and I know those are synonymous, of Dennis Kudla that ultimately allowed him to win this match. And just obviously that backhand down the line, a thing of beauty. But his ability to attack open space, his confidence moving forward, he's legitimately developed a deuce side out wide serve plus one going to the open space cross court pattern that's as effective as any deuce side play on the grass court you're going to see from a technical standpoint. And just again, wore Davidovich Fokina down over the course of five sets, had a bunch of breakpoint chances in set three, and when he didn't convert and then goes down 15-40 in his five-all service game, you thought, okay, this is Davidovich Fokina's moment, put the foot on the gas, pull away here. Kudla didn't allow him to do it. A couple of big serves, big backhands down the line, confidence moving forward, plays a clean tiebreaker, and then again, physically, just wore Davidovich Fokina down. Kudla comes through qualifying to get into the main draw here, played a couple of challengers on the warm-up, a guy who thoroughly embraces the grass court season. He belongs in the second round of this event, and that's where he makes it. And, you know, by the way, as we transition here for the other matches that went the distance, and again, Kudla Davidovich Fokina, the only one on the men's side, but on the women's side, Christian. 8-6 in the third, as I mentioned, over Heather Watson. Danielle Collins, 6-2 in the third over Polona Herzog. Really good day for the American women. They go 7-2 and two overall. They get victories from Kennan in straight sets, uh, Keys in straight sets, Laura Davis in straight sets. I already mentioned the Sloan Stevens victory in straight sets as well. It was a good day for the American women. There's no denying that, and I might be missing an American woman here. Who am I missing? I feel like I said seven and two, and I only named six names. Oh, and Claire Lou, that's what it is. Claire Lou's up 5-4 in the third set. Madison Bringle up 7-6 on a fellow American, Christina McHale, 7-6. So that's where your other win is coming from. But again, good day for the American women. Collins able to find her range, 4-6-6-3-6-2. Christiane, who talked about not being sure if she was going to play another grass court season in her post-match press conference. 8-6 in the third, spirited performance against Heather Watson. That was a really fun one. Ditto for Maria Camilo Osorio Serrano, the former world junior number one, gets her first win at Wimbledon. You could see her excitement, the emotion in her face. 1-6-6-0-6-4 win over the big-hitting Anna Kalinskaya. And then Katie Bolter, three-set win over Danielle Lau. 6-7-6-3-6-4 to advance to the second round in terms of your other results on the day. Arena Sabalenka, I think it was like 40 winners and seven unforced errors. 6-1, 6-4 over Nicolescu. She was my pick to win this event. 
with Kvitova knocked out. Muguruza certainly looked good. 0-1 today over Fiona Farrow. You know what? I'm doubling down with it. This was a good day for Arena Sabalenka, and we always celebrate the good days here. Uh, good performance from her. I thought Sonia Kennan did a much better job of handling the variety, the power of Xin Yu Wang, the talented lefty out of China, than I expected. 6-4-6-2 for her. She's just pencil her in second weeks, folks. That's the sort of consistency, discipline, and honestly, uh, again, uh, pedigree she's earned to have at this point. Great result for Iga to handle the creativity. Again, the diversity of shot selection of Suwe C, 6-4-6-4 victory for the number seven seed. Muguruza storming through Fiona Farrow, 0-1. It was a rough day for Farrow, but Muguruza was all over her. Ditto for number 18 seed, Elena Rabakina. She's another player when she plays her best tennis, the power she's able to produce. I don't know if any other player on in the women's game. I mean, certainly a few can match it, but certainly no one will exceed it. Four in love victory for her over Kiki Mladenovic. You could say everything about Rabakina. You can say about Keys when she's clicking. She earns a three and four win over Swan. Alexandrova, one and three over Sigamund. Lauren Davis, two and one. That's your other one. Davis, two and one over Barrage. Bagu, four and five over Valinets. And then a slight upset for sure. Patnamara Kirkov, a three and three win over. Svetlana Kuznetsova. Those were your women's matches that finished on the day. On the men's side, Djokovic and Rublev both drop first sets. They both cruise from there for Djokovic. 4-6-6-1-6-6-2-6-2 over Jack Draper. I call Jack Draper affectionately now Yuri Vesely 1.25. I just think he's a little bit more dynamic on that backhand wing. Certainly more engaged and I think just as good, if not a more fluid athlete. So good performance from Draper. Djokovic found his rhythm as the match went on. Ditto for Rublev. I mean, that power is really difficult to respond to on a grass court. And again, 4-6-6-4-6-1-6-2. That's a good result. Fun match for Bautista and Goot and Hatchinov. They earned four set wins over Millman and McDonald. Uh, respectfully, McDonald, 3 of 17 on breakpoint chances against Hatchinov. Had his moments. I don't get the drone cam that ESPN is going with where they're like hanging overhead and you can like see the ball from far away, but you really have to lock in on the match and you have to make it full screen. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to see it at all. Like, can we get a camera a little closer to the court, please? Anyways, Hatchinov takes that fourth set breaker, 7-6. He fought off a bunch of break points in that fourth set in particular. That was a really high-level match. Again, both two guys who can make round of 16s. Hatchinov just happens to get the better of him. Bautista Gucci is physically. Millman didn't have, uh, able to outstand the Millman test. Millman didn't have a big enough weapon to returningly hurt RBA with, RBA able to advance. In terms of your other results on the day, Brody, straight set win over Chechenato, fantastic grass court and 2021 season for the 27-year-old Brit, Vashik Pospisil, straight set win over Carbeas Benia, Vesely, as forementioned, he continues to roll through Wimbledon first round, straight set win over Yana Konofman. You also had four set wins from Kevin Anderson over Burrios Vera, Martinez over Travaglia, Seppi over Joe Sousa, and then Miomir Kasmenovic, who remember, when you don't pay attention to him, that's when he does his best. Four-set win for him over Fasundo Bagnus. Those were your other day one results. Now, there are some matches to be completed on day two. I've mentioned some of them, but just to rip through that list. Gracheva up 7-6-3-4 on Martic. Zivanareva, 7-5-2-2 with Buzkova. Claire Lou serving for the match against Misaki Doi. 2-6-6-3-5-4 would be her first Grand Slam win since 2018 in the American battle. As mentioned, Brangle up 7-6 in the third set on McHale. On the men's side, 
Schwartzman up 6364 on Benoit Pair. Gael Monfils locked up with Chris O'Connell 4662 6-all in the third. Fonini up two sets to love on Romas Fonoles, uh, 7662. Lloyd Harris up two sets to love on Barankis, 3 and 4. You have Gerasimov up two sets to one on Clark. Masur up a set on Quan. And then Arthur Rindernak and Oscar Ota. Oscar Ota, the perfect cross of Max Cressy and Benoit Pair. 9-all in the fifth set is Ota against former AM All-American Arthur Rindernak. Those are your day one results. Now, very fun day two ahead of us, of course. Day two, part two of this first round. I've got 10 matches on the men's and women's side I ranked from my favorite to least favorite. I'll let you guys know my list, and I'll let you be the judge again. Tough to break these matches down because by the time you hear this podcast, these matches are likely going on, but still, uh, so not to do too much depth. If you want to hear the depth, we release them earlier in the day. Match of the day segments, Patreon. There's the plug. Clickety-clack. Anyways, women's side. Ostapenko Fernandez. That was a match of the day, by the way. That's match number one. You've got Krechikova Tossin. Firepower of Tossin. Steadiness of Krechikova. That's fantastic. Ditto for the Konya Saripas Tormo matchup. That's number three. Kanteve Vandrusova, four. Andrescu Cornet, five. Then I go Pegula Garcia, Kostiuk Burtons. Then a drop in a tier. Vekic Potapova, Lee Podoroska. And then, of course, you're always watching Serena round one to see how she looks. She's got Sasinovich tomorrow. Those are the women's matches I'll be watching most closely on the men's side. I mean, I'm all in always on Demon Hour Corda. I did a match of the day on that as well. It was supposed to be on Monday, got postponed to Tuesday, but certainly Umber Kyrgios, return of Nick Kyrgios. This match went five sets in Australia. Ugo's coming off of a 500-level title on grass courts. This one promises to deliver the goods. Hercats, Musetti, two people with a flair for shot making. That'll be fun. Struff, Medvedev, the rematch. Struff beat him on grass in the warm-up to this Wimbledon. Query, Carreno, Busta, two guys, rock solid, fun match on grass. Uh, Fritz, Nakashima, Fritz healthy, that can be good. Evans, Lopez, a fun one. Federer, Manorino, look for Manorino to steal a set. I made the case on the GSP Ace of the Day. If you want to hear more extensively, go check out the podcast there. Nori Pui. If Pui's healthy, can hang with anyone. Nori's certainly not going to rip him off the court, but just, you know, that's a death by a thousand paper cut sort of game style for Nori. I don't know if Pui's got the discipline to handle, or the stamina to handle it over five sets. And then, you know, for the nerds, the hipsters, Marco Giron versus Emil Rusevori, two guys we saw a lot of on the challenger circuit, two guys starting to play the best tennis of their careers right now. That's a fun first rounder. And again, those are your day two matches. We will be back here tomorrow. To recap all of that day two action, I've got a fun guest planned for that podcast, so be on the lookout for that to drop tomorrow night, of course, or I suppose tonight when you're listening to this, of course. Again, GSP aces of the day every night, match of the day segments for our Patreon subscribers. Be on the lookout for more content on our website, CrackRackets.com, throughout the week as we try to ensure that all of you Crack Rackets listeners have all of the information you need to uh, make this 2021 Wimbledon one of your favorite experiences of the tennis calendar, of course. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, the Mini Break Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast. When we hit 100 likes on all three of those pods on the Apple platform, I will know that more of you are doing your job because more than 100 of you listen to all of these episodes. I can tell you that comfortably. 
and yet we have fewer than 100 likes on Apple. Come on, five minutes, folks. I'm not asking you for much. It, I I wouldn't ask if it didn't mean a lot to our sponsors, Manscaped, Turn of Tennis, you guys know the deal, uh, and our friends at Tennis Dash Point. Uh, those sort of metrics, those numbers help us with them. So again, obviously for this podcast, shout out to our friends at Tennis Dash Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Shout out to our friends at Manscaped. You guys know the deal. Uh, new balls, please. 20% off free worldwide shipping at manscaped.com. Com. And, of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job they do day in, day out. Again, we will be back tomorrow with all of our coverage of day two of Wimbledon. But for now, for our wonderful super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point and Manscaped, our and all of us here, I should say. I'm losing track. All of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.